Alright, welcome everyone to Joestar All-Stars, a podcast by four pharyngeal jaw nerds for all you pharyngeal jaw nerds out there. I am, as always, Joey Foyles. I'm Grant. I'm Tim. And I'm Victor. And today we're here to talk to you about Joestar's bizarre... Uh, okay, I'll cut that out, whatever. Today we're here to talk to you about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders Episode 4. And no one's going to ask me what that means. I was going to, uh, but I didn't I want gonna. to. I just assumed you were going to explain it. Yeah. I, I was waiting for one of y'all to prompt me. Nah. I didn't want to be that guy. Oh, it'll be a mystery to everyone. I'm, Look at I mean, up. you prompt it yourself, so just tell me. It's yeah. the, the double, the alien double jaw thing. I had to look it up. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know there was All a right. word for it. Neither did I. Why would there be a word for it? I mean, there are real animals with it. Well, animals. I don't believe you. Oh, man. Have you not looked up the moray eel? Uh, yeah, okay. I didn't know that. It has an actual... That's what it's based on. Oh. Well, we're not even a minute into this podcast, but stop the presses. I'm Googling. <laughs> Super Mario 64 did not prepare me for this. <laughs> I can't... I can imagine Super Mario 64 did not prepare you for a lot of things in life. Yeah, more eel jaw. Let's. I don't know, like taxes. Surprisingly, I think (laughs) dating. Mario 64 actually did prepare me for this. Everything in life can be traced back to to Mario 64. Oh God, that explains why you're such a mess, Tim. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're doing Joe. Joe's Bizarre Adventure Watch Along podcast here. Uh, you know, we just make really dumb, bad jokes and stuff. And if, if you were just joining in now, you'd think we would never did a podcast before in our lives. <laughs> Which yeah, is fair. I, I'm just sitting here Googling on the air. Victor, that's our energy. That's what we go for, right? <laughs> just the, the total unprofessionalism. Pro- professional amateurs. <laughs> We're not getting paid for this. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not a profession. Okay, so this Mori eel has like a second set of jaws just hiding somewhere. Yeah, it's sneaky like. Pharyngeal jaw. Yeah, but it's not as pronounced as I was hoping. Like, it, it, it's, it's still just, terrifying. It doesn't come it's out just, of its. It doesn't come out of its mouth. It's it it's upsetting, does. but but not as upsetting as I was hoping. Like, why do you need two mouths? Why do you need a tiny mouth to do the job of a? Yeah, that is that diagram is not making me happy. Because I have a hunger for tongues, I guess. Oh. <laughs> a hunger for tongues that can't be saved. <laughs> All right. Uh, so t- today we're talking about episode four of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure or Stardust Crusaders: Tower of Grey. Tower of Grey. Woo! Yeah. And we start off with some more spooky Dio vampire shit. Yeah. Now we have a spooky witch lady with them. Yeah. Just like talking about the concept of fear. Yeah. We, we, we've already had our uh, lesson on the concept of charisma, so yeah. we just need to like ki- keep hitting all the the, the high points of, of D&D stats. Also, yeah. more female nudity than I ever expected to see in this show. Yeah, there's a lot of Dio vampire groupies here. Yeah, I, they are uh, just ready and willing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, have you seen Dio? I have. Yeah. I, mean, I have. Yeah. He's wearing too many overalls. Too <laughs> many overalls. <laughs> you shut your mouth, Tim. Dio can never wear anything wrong. It's at least Look, four sets, and he's not wearing any of them right. It's all—it's <laughs> always sexy to have the straps off of your overalls and be shirtless, and he just wants to maximize it by having as many straps as possible. Yeah. It, so... He's the Russian nesting doll of overalls. Matryoshka <laughs> uh. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you what, though. When, when he finally, 
<laughs> when he finally <laughs> okay that was a good one <laughs> When he finally decides to put those overalls on, that pants are never coming off. <laughs> I'm genuinely worried because he has a belt around his arm. And did Dio start doing heroin? Oh no, the poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, what kind of question I, is that? I hate. I hate to see him go down this path. He did just eat that person, but uh, still, <laughs> he can handle it. All right. <laughs> He, he mainlines it because anytime he wants to. <laughs> Look, he has a mullet. He has, he's the sort of white trash that would do that shit. <laughs> That's profiling, Grant. <laughs> How many heroin have you eaten in your life? I don't know. Dio is kind of white trash now that you think about he it. He really is kind of white trash. <laughs> uh, he was definitely the pauper, the prince of the pauper here. Were, were they just trying to do the Machiavelli thing? Like, oh yeah, he's got charisma, but he's also got fear. He's he's playing both sides of the field. Was that was was that the point of that scene? A hundred percent. No, the point I, of I, that scene was just to have Dio eat a naked chick. Oh, alright. Well, I thought Araki had gone like two pages without having like a gush fest about Dio again. So <laughs> this time he just took a slightly different tack. It worked... It amounted to the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked it better when Optal did it. Yeah. <laughs> Not the old witch lady. <laughs> it was just so much more impressive when Optal told that story. Yeah, mm. you're right. <laughs> Bring back her buff men storytellers. <laughs> I'm just really confused by all these women being okay with, like, Dio having his his old grandma in the room while they're just being naked. Look, it's the joy in <laughs> fear. Okay. Joy in fear. Is it okay if my grandma watches? Like, what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wasn't the pitch. No, she's she's the on-hand doctor for the clear S&M that Dio is running here. For the ODs? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not for him, Tim. No. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he only gets it. Maybe it only does it for him if he's blah blah blah. Maybe it only does it for him if he absorbs it from someone else's bloodstream. Huh? Then why is the belt around his arm? Just to make give him that nice vascularity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're, tell, you're telling me he can't get too vascular by himself. I mean, he can, but you know, sometimes you need a little help in the bedroom, Tim. There's no shame in that. I think there's a little shame in that. You know, maybe if it was Dio's body, he'd have been fine. But he's not working yeah. with everything. Yeah, these Joe stars yeah. have low blood pressure. He... No, I no, don't! We, we, <laughs> we know that's wrong. <laughs> Fuck, you're right. Like you're right, one, one pump on that little cuff and it explodes on a Joe star. <laughs> <laughs> Your blood pressure is 8 million over 30. <laughs> All right, so we cut to the. Hey, hold on, hold on. <laughs> There's a little detail I notice. Uh, um, um, the spooky witch lady has yeah? two right hands. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that because you know I yeah. wasn't looking for something like that. It's a weird thing to look for. Yeah. Or ask people about. Pull <laughs> 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 I know this is a weird question, but... <laughs> anyway, we cut to an airplane where we've got our squad, hashtag squad goals, just looking real angry for no reason on a passenger flight. They're all angry it, sleeping. It's a, it's a red-eye flight, and not a single one of them is sleeping. Look, my note here says that if this were nowadays, this crew would 0% have made it onto an airplane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the way they're dressed, they would have been stopped so fast. 
<laughs> like Joseph would have thrown a fit when he had to take his arm off and would have probably like punched a TSA agent. <laughs> Jotaro's just wearing 18 pounds of metal on him. Calculated <laughs> actually may have made it. Avdol would have gotten randomly searched. Oh like. yeah, we've gotten searched. Detained by TSA. <laughs> uh, it's bold of you to assume that the Speedwagon organization doesn't own this plane. Well, then why are there passengers? Right? Because they didn't haven't made the mistake of knowing that yet. They fix what? it. They fix it. They fix it for the ship. It's okay. All right. But yes, we just get all of the Joestar crew here angry sleeping. And then as soon as anything happens, they start yelling into a plane full of sleeping people. <laughs> Nobody wakes up this entire episode. It's, it's unreal. Really fucking impressive. <laughs> if only I could sleep that well on a plane. If only I could sleep that well anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> like the dead. <laughs> So, two episodes in a row, we get more bug facts. <laughs> more bug facts! I, I was not expecting... I don't remember this much bug facts. Wait, it's a stag... No, wait, it's this kind it's of it's a, it's a. Is that a rhino beetle? No, it's a stag beetle. <laughs> That's not important. That is not at all important. <laughs> I know. And I, I like that Joseph is like, is this a stand? And I'm like, do you know what show you're in now? <laughs> like, We're in Stardust Crusaders, my dude. It is always a stand. But we don't know. We don't know the rules for stands yet, so we don't know if you know a bug can be a stand yet. Tim, yeah, we don't. you're right. You're right. We don't know Tim, yet you know that there is literally nothing that could not be a stand. <laughs> exactly. Everything's a stand. <laughs> so far, what do we have? We have a buff chicken. We have yeah. a weird dude, like purple punch ghost. Uh, purple <laughs> punch ghost. Yes. Yeah. And then we have vi- thorny vines. <laughs> That lets yep. you karate chop cameras. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have whatever the fuck Hierophant Green is supposed to be. <laughs> um, Squid Monster. That's generous. So, h- human Lava Lamp. <laughs> also sure. generous. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but now we have a stag beetle with a pharyngeal jaw. <laughs> yeah, good good call. Good callback. I like that. <laughs> God, every time it zooms in on Tower of Grey, it's just the worst. This, this It's like foaming at the mouth. Yeah, it's like, like slime just dripping out of it. It really upsets me when it starts talking. Yep. I'm like, oh, I, I hate this voice. But anyways, like... Were y'all uh, ready for some manga, Beetle? Ooh, oh, yeah. no. Can oh, a Rocky yeah, draw insects? Yeah. The answer may surprise you. No, it's I probably, don't think it's it probably will. actually good looking. Wow, Wait, that is it. a that is actually a really good beetle. <laughs> You're right. That's, that's pretty impressive. Very competent, actually. <laughs> it's got like the tower tarot card in the background. I, oh yeah, really he actually surprised. does. A, he actually does a really good job. Like it looks like it came out of a like a biology actual, textbook. Like, yeah, biology <laughs> textbook. I really appreciate you posting these manga panels because you can clearly tell over time his art is getting better and like more refined. You know, yeah. I mean, there's still plenty of like instances where it just looks like uh, maybe you want to take a second pass at that. But <laughs> uh, for the most part, I think it's been trending upwards. Absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's there's something about Stardust Crusaders, though. The more I watch it, the less I like it, the art style. Joey pointed out the tire shoulders last episode, and I can't <laughs> unsee it anymore. Uh, and also, there's something about understand. the way their faces are constructed. Every character's face it just has way too many angles and lines in it. Oh, the, yeah, the, the, they're supposed to be like polygons. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't like it. I just... I Okay, so... 
the other day I went back to the episode of Battle Tendency where uh, Jojo takes off the stolen Nazi uniform and you can see the star on his back, right? Yes. The, the birthmark. Because I needed to prove to Acacia that it was there in the first place and all of that. Uh, yeah. And I was just so shocked at how different the art style is now. I went back to an episode of Battle Tendency and it looked so different that I had like almost no idea what I was looking at. Yeah, they do this every season. Yeah, every season feels very distinct. Because like, um, the, the, it took me forever to get used to the Golden Wind one because the line weight is like three. It's like an inch thick around every character. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's how I felt about Stardust Crusaders coming in just oh, now. Oh no, it's double. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I went back to Battle Tennessee and there was just all of these flat, like patterned backgrounds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's very little depth to it. It's it's extremely yep. flat cells and everything like that. With of course the the character models changing wildly from frame to frame and <laughs> <laughs> and all of that. And meanwhile, we come to start as Crusaders and everything is much bolder and thicker and uh, much more CG. I, yeah, yeah. I I just don't know if I like this as much i think there was a a lot of charm in just how low budget the first season was yeah but victor <laughs> you didn't like joseph at first either and he grew on you like a tumor so we'll see where stardust <laughs> crusader gets to. and hey your tumor's back baby <laughs> better than ever Grown a beard. tumor will have a tumor and anyway yeah, okay, we anyway. have a beetle here a beetle yeah we have a beetle and it and shoots its it's weird mouth thing through Star Platinum's hand and into his mouth. We get another stand kiss this episode. Yeah, yeah I, I I don't like it. Also, like Star Platinum has a tongue and also he bleeds. Yeah, do stands bleed? Sure, why yeah. not? There are no rules. <laughs> stands can do whatever <laughs> they want. And anyways, while while this is happening, uh, Avdol's like, oh yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I heard about a stand that does this. <laughs> He's like, yeah, there's an MO of this uh, one stand user who would just steal people's tongues and then crash planes. That's all he does. Right. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's 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 good. That's great. How you do know? you know this if the planes always crash? And Night Shyamalan made a movie you know about it. You know, not important. <laughs> he just knows. He's a fortune teller. He's sawing yeah. a crystal ball. Yeah, Got it. Sure. Brittle bones Boom. And causes train wrecks. It's... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we're just gonna move okay. on from that. Uh, <laughs> time for some time Abdul for some prime, decide- <laughs> prime tongue stealing scene. Yeah, prime tongue stealing scene. As yeah. as he just like the beetle just like kills like four people in a row, and then uses their severed tongues to paint the word massacre on the wall of the plane. And then the all-reliable narrator chimes in. Oh, Massacre. Better it than means, ever, baby. It means total slaughter. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys have no idea how happy it was to hear him back. I was so excited to hear the narrator again. You have no fucking idea. <laughs> oh, man. And you know what? The, the narrator's fucking back, baby. He's back. <laughs> Yeah. He was back last episode to tell us about the fly. Yeah, but like, the, like the completely unnecessary chime in here was oh, great. Yeah. Like when they get to Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so with this stand, Tower of Grey, we have to establish that even though 
Even though Star Platinum is strong and fast and accurate and precise enough to, to, to pull the flesh mud out without ruining Kakuin's brain, uh, he's mm-hmm. no match for the speed of this flying stag beetle. Yeah. So Star Platinum gets given. So Avdol's like, let me step in there. And we're just like, wait, you idiot. (laughs) We're on an airplane. We're on a fucking airplane. You'll just make us fucking explode. (laughs) But Kakyoin, this is where he shines, because there's no way anything he does could possibly rupture the hall. (laughs) So is is Emerald Splash just a stand-to-stand attack only? Is that how that works? It doesn't do anything. That's all you need to do. It never does anything. (laughs) Oh, good. It's okay. We we get this old man who who's the first person to wake up, I, yeah. and he's like, "Let me go use the restroom." Got the got the sleep pisses. He finds the the massacre, and he's about to freak out. And uh, Kakuin has kung fu action. Yeah, he karate chops him. I, you, you see those action figure arms? I, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot like the Spock, you know, neck pinch. And or it, judo chop. Is or what ju- I thought. Yeah. Okay. Judo chop. Sure. But yeah, the James Bond chop. We. We we know this guy is a stand loot user later on. If he knocks out the stand user, the stand should go away. Uh, the guy's probably yeah. faking it. Uh, there's, no way, there's no way what Kakuin did could knock someone unconscious. Look, this is a long-range autonomous stand. I, no, <laughs> you know what? If he had to get on any of those other flights to be able to crash them, I would wonder how he survived every time. How is so he going prob- to survive this one? I don't know. That was in my notes for later on. <laughs> like, that was my whole thought. That, like, uh, uh, during the episode, I'm like, parachute? Like, how does he kill them? And then you get off. open the no, doors. No, he was just going to wrap himself in a seat. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. That was it. He was just going to wrap himself in the seat. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you would Those think- are standard issue on all airplanes, thanks to the Speedwagon Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know shit. This is pre-9-11, but I would think... You wouldn't get an airplane seat after a while of uh, suspiciously disappearing from the airplane every time it crashes. <laughs> nah, man, this is the 80s. You can just do whatever you want with airlines. <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, Kakuin steps up to the plate because yeah. it's his time to shine. Look, it, th- this is a call for a discreet stand like Kakuin's higher fant green. Emerald Flush! Emerald Splash! Just shout at the top of his lungs. Emerald Splash! How is no one waking up? Continually. Emerald Splash! Emerald Splash! Emerald Splash! I assume it's like only stand users can hear that. Right? That's a thing later on. No! But, but Kakyoing is shouting it! Yes! Uh, also, me. Tower of Grey exploded foreheads like pumpkins. Also, <laughs> Joseph has just been yelling this whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joseph is. Yeah, but they got used to that in the first hour of the flight. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Look, so he's the big dumb American. You know, you just leave him alone and maybe he won't cause a ruckus. <laughs> I wrote down Emerald Splash Zero, other stands four. But before I finished writing that, I had to change, cross four out and put five. Yeah. And then <laughs> because, six. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because of the five times Emerald Splash has been used, zero have been effective. I mean, yeah. the first one, the very first one we see, does something to Star Platinum. It really doesn't. <laughs> it just didn't matter. Remember, remember when he got right back up and then punched him to death? 
<laughs> it, was, it wasn't injured. It was plot armor. <laughs> Something. Anyway. <laughs> it's weird that everything... It's weird that this beetle has plot armor. The whole time this beetle is just maniacally laughing. It's like, ah, even if you shot pl- Blank with a gun at me, you'd never hit me. Ten <laughs> guns. Ten <laughs> guns, <laughs> Point Blank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is something they never get consistent or make any sense. Some stands can just talk. Yeah. So, no. And sometimes it's the user talking. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> like, uh, King Crimson like, is especially this... threatening <laughs> yes. and, and the worst in the new season. Uh. Like, why does the stand have such a personality? Why is it like this? <laughs> I hate it so much. It's just <laughs> terrible. Like, there's the puppet later, and then there's a Koichi stand who's just like such a cursing. rude bitch. He's like, S H I T, come on. Like, <laughs> God, Echoes is kind of the worst now mm. that I think about it. But for now, we only have Tower of Grey. So, yeah. yeah. The fight goes on. He dodges the Emerald Splash because, of course, he does. And then Kakyoin's like, but you fell into my trap. As he impales it, like, four times. Just which, I guess, is faster angle. than the ten guns. <laughs> Look, you catch him off guard. He wasn't expecting an attack from every direction. Ooh. Uh, I, I guess? He was too... He baited him into an attack of his own. And then yeah. sprung the trap. And... It was a go, perfect like the- counterpunch. I just really like this shot of uh, Hierophant's green, like, you can see its foot tendrils coming out. Oh, yeah, that's upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, no. It's just, web like, feet. web feet to the max. Yep. I I hope you enjoyed this fight from Emerald from uh, Hierophant Green, Victor, because uh, we're not going to see another fight from him for, like, ten episodes. <laughs> that's fine. I don't think I, I think it's longer than that. <laughs> I think it's literally death thirteen, <laughs> which is like the Man, end of the season. That, that's a ways away. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. I, uh, yeah. So he just fucking obliterates this stand, and we we enter in our into our time honored traditions of. Like one person fighting a stand, and the rest of the <laughs> idiots in the crew just just watching. Yep. Look, they would just get in the way, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't possibly have a sweet team-up fight or maybe just leverage your superior numbers. Hey, I, there are a couple of team-up fights, and they are all excellent, actually. I, I think that happens, like, once or twice. Yeah, sure. Like, Avdol and Joseph versus Past. <laughs> Everyone's favorite team-up fight. <laughs> All I remember about that fight was blowjobs. Why do I only yeah. remember blowjobs? It was the only important part. Oh, okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So they super murder this old man who was the stand user who was unconscious. So a stand <laughs> should have been gone, but he's not because it's fucking stupid. And I hate goddamn stand rules. Why? Why, why is his tongue uh, split in half and also have a weird beetle on it? All right. So I assume he like he's he's a serial killer, right? That has to be his like tell. Because yeah. he's an idiot. Because all serial killers are idiots. <laughs> Only the ones we catch, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... There is no smart serial killer on JoJo. <laughs> okay, you're right. In JoJo. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh... Like Jack the Ripper. Like Jack the Ripper. <laughs> you know, by JoJo logic, though, this guy's already pretty smart, if we're being real. 
I mean, he's maybe the only stand user we see who is not dressed like a total lunatic, although he does have a tongue tattoo, so... I mean, he's the only person on this plane other than our chuckle fucks that actually looks like anybody. Like, he, he looks... He is the most distinct passenger on this uh <laughs> Yeah, Racky actually, like, actually, like, designed him instead of all of these other chodes who got to die. Other than the witch. flight attendants, he's the only other person awake on this plane. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but <laughs> not even women don't pilots, get stands. Right? <laughs> women don't get stands for quite some time in this. <laughs> yeah, Holly has a stand, and it's killing her because she's too weak. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. her weak woman body. Araki's the worst. Uh, Come on, <laughs> the fucking worst. <laughs> so my favorite part is when they we go straight to the. Uh, Oh hey, like the the plane isn't really like it's like tilting to the side. It doesn't feel like anybody's piloting it because yeah, nobody's piloting it. <laughs> and so, Joseph immediately charges for the cockpit. It is the eighties. <laughs> yep, and, and the and, flight yeah. attendants put up a token amount of resistance to this massive gaijin. <laughs> Before Jotaro just says, "Move, bitch!" Get out the way! Get out the way! Get out the way! Get out the way! Kakyoin sweeps in for like uh, the save, and he's like, "Oh, please excuse my rude friend." And then he takes one of the into the back for the Mile High Club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, before we get to before we get to Kakyoin's Mile High Club experience, let's give uh, Tower of Grey a send off because. That's actually a musical reference, as far as we can tell. Uh, it's because later, much, much later, in uh, an anthology type thing, uh, uh, Araki went back and identified the references for a bunch of characters in- and actually named a few of them at that time. So this stand user did not have a name in the manga and did not have a name in the anime, but Araki named him in a supplemental product. He is Gray Fly. Which is a reference to Glenn Frey. Glenn Frey. One of the founding members of the Eagles. (laughs) Right, so Victor, do you have anything to tell us about that? Uh, Yeah, let's let's talk about Glenn Frey and the Eagles, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about Glenn Frey. Coming in hot with The Heat Is On from the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Welcome back to JoJo's Bizarre Western Music Reference. I am your host, Victor, and we've got a big one this week as we explore the long, legendary career of Glenn Fry. And of course, that means we are talking about the Eagles. For those of you who don't know who the Eagles are, I just have to assume you've never listened to any classic rock, ever, any in your whole life. I want to lead off here with just a statistic that I think will color this segment in a particular way for you. Most people know that the best-selling album of all time worldwide is Thriller. But if you just look at U.S. sales, Thriller's only number two. The top-selling album in U.S. history is Their Greatest Hits 1971-1975 by The Eagles. And the third best-selling album in U.S. history is Hotel California by The Eagles. 
this is the scale of band we're dealing with here. So, with that in mind, let's go back to the beginning. Who are the Eagles? Where did they come from? We'll start with Glenn Fry, a musically inclined kid from the Detroit suburbs who started playing in local bands as a teenager in the late 60s. Aided by one Bob Seeger, there was a minor record deal and some TV appearances, but no national success. Fry had actually intended to join Seeger's band, but apparently his mom said no because Glenn and Bob had smoked weed together. Oh no! So instead of touring with the Silver Bullet Band, Fry had to follow his heart. And by his heart, I mean his girlfriend was in a band that moved to L.A., so he took a flight to California trying to reconnect with her. The girlfriend's sister introduced him to a musician she was dating named J.D. Southern. After his initial three-week stay, Fry would return to L.A. to form a music group with Souther called Long Branch Penny Whistle, who then signed with Amos Records. While in L.A., the two musicians lived in the same apartment building as another young singer-songwriter named Jackson Brown. This becomes important later. Now, Long Branch Penny Whistle hadn't really achieved anything super noteworthy by 1971, and Fry was approached to join the backing band for rising country star Linda Ronstadt's upcoming tour. Fry then recommended a drummer for the band that he had met through Amos Records by the name of Don Henley. Henley had come to L.A. with a band from Texas that also hadn't achieved high success, so they played the tour together. As various musicians came and went during that tour, the two came into contact with bassist Randy Meisner, formerly of the band Poco, and songwriter-musician Bernie Leadon. When Fry and Henley had hit it off and wanted to start a new band together, those were the two they tapped to fill it out. With no agreed-upon name and no real identity yet, their new record label shipped them off to Colorado to play and gel as a band. Afterward, they went to England to hit the studio and record their eponymous debut album. The first track on that album was Take It Easy, which was originally written by Jackson Brown. But as the story goes, he had hit a case of writer's block for the second verse and handed it to Glenn Fry to see what he could make of it. Fry wrote the rest of the verse, Brown wrote the rest of the song, and the result would become part of rock and roll mythology. Well, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, it's such a fine sight to see. Take It Easy was the Eagles' first single, which went to number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 and made instant stars out of the band. The other two singles from that album were also hits. Witchy Woman went to number 9, and Peaceful Easy Feeling went to number 22. They supported it with a tour of the U.S. as the opening act for Yes! Motherfuck! Their second album, Desperado, pushed them more toward the countryside of their sound and failed to produce any top 40 hits, but both its title track and the single Tequila Sunrise have since become cherished pieces of the Eagles' catalog. And the Eagles were not to be denied the limelight for long. Their third album, On the Border, pushed back toward the rock end of the spectrum and put them back in the top 40 with its lead single already gone. That album's third single, Best of My Love, would be the Eagles' first song to go all the way to the top. 
Success built on success when they released their fourth album, One of These Nights, in 1975. This was their first studio album to hit number one on the Billboard 200, a feat they would repeat with their next three albums. The title track was the lead single, and it also went to number one. The follow-up, Lion Eyes, went to number two, and the final single, Take It to the Limit, also hit the top ten at number four. And the point of me going into so much detail about the band's early history is that those ten songs I mentioned together comprise the best-selling record in U.S. history. Every single one still gets airplay on classic rock radio. And then they followed it up with freaking Hotel California, a monstrous album that outperformed anything they had done so far. Bernie Leadon, the band's primary country influence, had just left the band, and in his place was now Don Felder and Joe Walsh, two great guitarists with a harder edge to them, so the band went even further into the rock half of their country rock sound. The first single was another number one, New Kid in Town, which is one of the best showcases ever made for the band's intricate vocal harmonies. They followed that up with another number one in the form of the legendary title track, Hotel California. And the iconic Joe Walsh riffs of Life in the Fast Lane would go to number 11. By this point, constant touring and recording had absolutely drained the members of the band. Meisner would quit the band at the conclusion of the Hotel California tour, and the creative juices had started to dry up in the Fry-Henley partnership. Add to this a growing animosity between Fry and Felder, and the band's breakup loomed large. They put out one more chart-topping album, called The Long Run, which produced one last number one single in the form of Heartache Tonight, as well as two other top ten hits. They produced their contractually obligated live album under extreme duress, and finally got to declare it done and over with in 1980. Joe Walsh would go on to have one decently successful solo album, and do a lot of work as a session guitarist in the 1980s. Glenn Fry would have some decent chart success, but if I'm going to be honest, nothing he did solo has really stuck in the public consciousness except for The Heat Is On. Don Henley would end up the clear winner in the solo career department, with multiple songs that still get play on 80s radio. It would take an Eagles tribute album to get the band back together again. Country star Travis Tritt had recorded a cover of Take It Easy for the album, and he wanted all the members of the most recent Eagles lineup in the music video. And you know what? They all did it! This led to the band reforming in 1994 and going on tour again, releasing a new live album called Hell Freezes Over with new singles that hit the top 40. And the band has not officially broken up again since their resurrection. They were first ballot inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998, where all seven members of the band got together to perform and they continued to tour through the rest of the 90s and into the 2000s. In 2007, they released their first full studio album in nearly 30 years, Long Road Out of Eden, and they went back on the road in support of it. Their limited runs of concerts have commanded some of the highest ticket prices ever asked for a music performance. The band suffered its first and, to date only, member death in early 2016, when Glenn Fry died due to post-surgery complications involving pneumonia. Though Don Henley said the band was unlikely to reform without Fry, a year later they performed again with Glenn's son Deacon Fry and country music star Vince Gill filling in on Glenn's vocal parts. 
The band toured the U.S. in 2018 and is slated for an international tour in 2019. And that is where the long, storied career of Glenn Fry and the Eagles stands today. We'll go out on one of Fry's last songs, No More Cloudy Days. It first appeared in live cuts and then in studio form on Long Road Out of Eden, and I personally am a big fan of it. Rest in peace, Glenn Fry. Baby, I would never make you cry. I would never make you blue. I would never turn away. I would never be untrue. I know a place where we can go, where true love always stays. No more stormy nights. No more cloudy days. I'm going to level with everyone. We just spent like 20 minutes talking about now that's what I call music and not the Eagles. So whatever you did there, Victor, I hope it lives up to the content we just didn't put in the podcast there. <laughs> that's like 20 minutes of audio content that we don't know what to do with. If you're ever wondering like, where Joey okay. gets all his material for the, the post-credit stingers, we, we put a lot in <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, so whenever we cut to uh, Victor's segment, we actually keep recording in the show the part of Kimono <laughs> a little bit, and we actually start talking about the thing that he's supposed to talk about for the episode, and it never ends where we started. Like, <laughs> it actually ends up with us talking about, like, s- conspiracy theories involving CeeLo Green. <laughs> like, it always comes back really, to CeeLo Green. Like, we, we have end jokes just for us. In those segments I mean, that nobody will ever hear is for nobody but us. Joey's got him somewhere. We're really bad at this. <laughs> it is really bad. We should be using this content, but we're not. Look, yeah. look, just put because just it because we're intelligent. Just putting this out there. <laughs> Patreon goals. <laughs> it's just one giant supercut of our backer. bullshit, <laughs> and it's me. <laughs> I'll release them for you. There you go, Tim. Perfect. So I guess let's take it easy on that. Uh, and get back to the <laughs> Joe podcast. All right. So I guess Grayfly couldn't hide his lion eyes. Uh, no, nah. that's stupid. I hate that. <laughs> anyway, there's a bunch of dead people in the cockpit. <laughs> yeah. My next note is planes zero, Joseph three. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love he is this scene. So good at crashing planes. He's so I love good at this it. conversation between Jotaro and Joseph here because <laughs> it's actually human. It's actually like a human hey. conversation. Hey, <laughs> Joseph's like, would you believe that I've uh, been in three plane crashes? <laughs> Jotaro's <laughs> like, please remind me to never get on an airplane with you ever again. I, I love how, back he, in resignation. how calm Joseph is about this. It's, it's not, hey, I don't really know how to fly a plane like this. I, he's just like, you know, I've got some experience with prop planes. Maybe <laughs> like, I could do this. What? <laughs> 
I mean, yeah. Uh, here's the big secret: it, flying isn't that hard. Uh, landing uh, is though. Have you seen all the knobs and levers I, and dials? I mean, this is this is the '80s. Maybe they didn't have autopilot, but like commercial. Well, I mentioned that he turned the autopilot off and disabled it. Commercial, like flying, isn't like terribly risky or difficult, but landing and taking off actually is. It's <laughs> really not, Joey. I, I, like, I want to, you know what, every time I say something like this that I'm pretty sure about, I look it up and have to edit myself in going, no, that's wrong, I was wrong <laughs> on that, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that whenever, like, they try and, like, they've done experiments trying to talk people into landing planes and everyone dies every time. I, look, I've seen the movie Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Sure. <laughs> Is that the one with Denzel Washington? No, no. it's the one with the autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> the inflatable autopilot. Great. Uh, Are you sure it's not the one with Denzel Washington where he's on cocaine, like rolling a fucking seven forty seven? No, you're <laughs> thinking of the um, the Taken ripoff. What? Unbreakable. No. 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 <laughs> no. No, that, no. No. That's the movie. That's the movie about the bomber pilot who lands into the ocean, and gets eaten by sharks a lot. Hey y'all! Yeah. This episode's long as is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a mess. But right, I love so, that we th- cut to okay. commercial and then we come back and Joseph has landed the plane in the water safely. We just we're not going to bother showing <laughs> well, this. Hey, hey, you forgot the this uh, stand user is somehow still alive and comes up and does some cultist ass shit. Oh right, just it's monologues some, for no reason. This is fucking like Trail of Cthulhu uh, cultist bullshit. Yeah, he tells and he's just them like, where Dio is. He has no way of knowing they know where Dio is. He just gives they, they them, know where Dio they're is. They're on a flight to Egypt. <laughs> they're Joey. on a flight to Egypt, Joey. <laughs> but he direct. just starts like, like he's like shouting at them, at him with his like tongue flailing everywhere, some blood spreading everywhere, and he's like, "Y'all never make it to Egypt." He's also like, Dio will find you." Floating in midair, suspended by darkness coming out of him. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, uh, sure, that sounds right. The way JoJo does blood in this show is either it's like eight billion blood or just total blackness. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I mean, when, as opposed to what they did last season, where it was just molten lava every time. Yeah, <laughs> like they they do it with JoJo smoking later on. They just like it's really evil to see this seventeen year old smoke where you have to make it pitch black. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we get to Hong Kong, and this, I feel, is the real triumphant return of the narrator. He even gets his own theme at this point, Victor. This keeps, like, this is literally the narrator theme. Yeah! (laughs) The really jaunty, as he gives you, like, Hong Kong facts. Actually, I really didn't want to It's completely unnecessary. (laughs) Hong Kong, Kowloon, with more than 235 islands in the area. It feels like... It feels like they were paid to put this in, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hong Kong tourism. And and then they put the fucking food stand here, and then Kakyoin gives you the fucking spiel, like, yeah, oh, like, oh, here in Hong Kong, they eat rice porridge. It's the local delicacy, like, the local thing. See, I just assume... I'll have it in the traditional way. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Kakyoin, like, stop being tour guide over here. Are you sure you don't want some hot cola? <laughs> This is just to make a point of how cultured Kakuin is compared to fucking uh, asshole Jotaro and ugly American terrible Joseph. Like, he knows all this shit. You know what? Now that I think about it, you're right. Because the place that Joseph takes them is definitely like McDonald's there. That's gotta be right, right? Oh, it looks like a tourist trap restaurant for, like, Americans abroad. And that's exactly the kind of place Joseph would eat at and think is the best thing in the world. Yup. 
it, but for a second there, I'm like, oh, he grabs the menu and he's like, oh yeah, I've been here a few times. I know enough uh, to get around the menu. And he like, he is so confidently ordering things off this menu. They are definitely in Applebee's. <laughs> oh, why would you say that to <laughs> me? But it, it got me because when all the food comes out, it's all complete nonsense that he yep. had no, he definitely did not know it while he was ordering. I'm like, I should have known better. <laughs> Shame on you, Grant. You should have known. But wait, wait. Let's not forget why Joseph is ordering here because another person is <laughs> like struggling to read the menu, and Joseph's like, I got this. Out of the way, kid. Victor, was there a single moment in time where you did not think that this character was a stand user? Even the slightest moment. He the has second... a face like a hatchet. And just like, they just put an axe head on top of a body, dress the body like Andre the Giant. <laughs> Give him heart earrings. And his, his, his broken heart earrings. And a flat top, hair top haircut that goes up to the like, I, I think I I love Polnareff. He's got he you know how we were talking about that one cop uh, having Vegeta's widow's peak. Here's the the real Vegeta brow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks even better in the manga. Here you go. Look oh, how, oh look, man. At, look at fucking Polnareff in all of his beauty. Oh wow! Oh god! Yeah. Oh man, he looks like he fucks. He yeah. fucks hard. <laughs> he looks like a Final Fantasy villain. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Look like Kefka. <laughs> uh, but it, I uh, love that he walks up and he's like, "Hey, y'all! Like, I'm I'm here from from France. I I, I can't read the language, but I speak can y'all Japanese. Help me? Can you can you speak group Japanese. of uh, of Japanese, British, American, <laughs> and uh 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 um what Egyptian. Do you call it? Uh, Egyptian Egyptian? Can y'all help me read this Chinese menu <laughs> my, in the middle of Hong Kong? My favorite thing about this is he is so sure he can beat this shit out of these four people that he immediately reveals that he's one of Dio's fucking underlings. Okay, so yeah, he's here. like these carrots, you know, these carrots are, they remind me of something. They're cut into a star shape. Where do I know? stars for <laughs> and everybody's like, ching, like ching, 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 ching. the cutaway oh the cutaways are so good because it's four faces as they lock into place across the screen doing surprise faces i want you to look like, at the equivalent in the manga so here and just look at kakuin's face it is awful. <laughs> oh man, it's the Kakuin face. Is this gonna be the trademark? I, okay, I love the Kakuin face every time we see it. It's just uh, the most straight-lipped. Like, I, I don't know how to describe this face. He like, looks like the fucking SNES version of Andros from Star Fox. He's <laughs> like a sleepy frog. <laughs> I am just very upset that we didn't have a like a commercial break where we like come back and they're all just kicking Polnareff in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> just beating the shit out of him. No, no, we have to fight him 1v1, otherwise it's not fair. <laughs> so, the way Polnareff reveals his stand is that yes. it comes out of the soup. Oh, it's so good. It, 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 no, it merges from the rice that bowl. That is not how stands work. <laughs> that's pretty confident. That's how it works now. I know that's not how stands work. <laughs> no, fuck you, it was cool. <laughs> Uh, so Aftal responds with Magician's Red, and then Polnareff turns it into a fire clock. <laughs> I'm like, that's not how this works. That's I'm like, not how I'm, any of this works. That, that's when I was like, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, Polnareff's stand is so fast, guys. That's how he be. 
<laughs> he has such precision. Such like, precision. What remarkable swordsmanship. <laughs> and and sure enough, he's like, oh yeah, I- I'm a tarot card too. The chariot. Sup. Sup. I'm the main character <laughs> of the season. Is, is this where we yep. get him monologuing about the tarot card his stand possesses? No, that's next yeah. episode. Okay. We'll talk about that. Yeah, oh yeah. I have a lot to say about next episode. <laughs> this one pretty much ends on the fire clock, though. So yeah. bad. It's so fucking bad. I, I'm, I'm here for it. It's it's a real dumb, like, oh yeah, look how fucking cool I am. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll kill you before this clock strikes. I don't, I don't know, 12. There's only one hand on the clock. Maybe he ran out of fire. He had to use so much to craft those intricate numbers. <laughs> Truly, he, he's he is a craftsman. And uh, then we get the to be continued. <laughs> I, I I am I am so ready for Polnareff. <laughs> Me too. This is this is so dumb, and I love it. So Victor, how'd you like the episode? <laughs> it's so dumb. Everything is so dumb. From like, the, the people welcome, not waking up on the plane to just <laughs> Joseph land make, doing a perfect water landing on a plane he's never flown before, uh, <laughs> to them shout, to Joseph shouting about hot cola. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cola should be cold. Everybody cold. knows that. <laughs> Why are you yelling at the people? <laughs> well, I, he's the worst. He's the worst traveler. <laughs> I always assumed that that guy was trying to poison them. Just because you know every, what? I always every... got that sense too while I was watching because I was like, "You're like, no, you guys clearly can't trust anyone. Yeah. Stop taking food that somebody is pushing on you." <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man! And then we get the the another scene in the restaurant of Kakuin just showing off to Jodoro how cultured he is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if you if you put the lid of your teapot <laughs> uh, like this, they'll bring you more. He's trying to impress his boyfriend. Then, it's okay. Then you. Yeah, you fun. tap the table to say thank you, and I'm like, it, it, "Come on, come on! You're trying too fucking hard." <laughs> it was, no, God, it was, someone's got to be a counterbalance to the screaming. Also, American. also, I, I take umbrage to him trying to impress uh, Jotaro with this because nothing will impress Jotaro. <laughs> I know, but he has to try. <laughs> he has to try. <laughs> it may be futile, but there's beauty in the struggle. What about you, Tim? <laughs> Did you like the episode? I fucking like. I 100% love Polnareff. Tower of Grey is kind of stupid. <laughs> and it's, it, I, I don't like it. You don't, you don't like the, no. the, the, the sound of its voice? No, that's uh, <laughs> just doing the Vita yeah. Repulsa. Yeah, that's a Power Rangers <laughs> villain voice. That's great. Yeah! After a thousand years! Ah! After a thousand years! Ten thousand years! I'm finally free! But, I like, the, the weird, like... Oh yeah, all of the flight attendants are really into Jotaro. Still, <laughs> we're still we're still doing a goddamn Jotaro being the Mary Sue of the character thing. I I really like Polnareff. I really really do like Polnareff. I, 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 I gotta yeah. say, I wasn't super in before, but now I'm like really starting to like Kakuin. <laughs> <laughs> I like Kakuin a lot, just because of how like ridiculous he is. <laughs> Everyone, like he's a fucking tryhard. Everyone else is a lunatic in this party. <laughs> Kakuin is somewhat reasonable, even if he is still ridiculous. <laughs> All right, Grant, what about you? I'm here for it, man. 
I'm here for uh, uh, Joseph crashing another plane. I'm here for uh, uh, this dumb restaurant scene. <laughs> I, I'm here for uh, dumb stand battles that don't make any sense. Yep. Like, it, it, I'm here. I'm in it. <laughs> like, this is the stuff I, I was uh, waiting for in Stardust Crusaders. Like, this is the sort of stuff I'm enjoying. There was, a, like... there was a joke here I can't remember. Who eats the clam? Uh, Kakuin. Kakuin eats clam. The way he eats it just looks really dumb. <laughs> he, he picks up the whole clam with chopsticks. Yeah. <laughs> and then just, like, sucks the clam out. <laughs> like, that's how that's you, not how you do that. That's how you do that. Disagree. Hard. Oh, but hard it's so disagree. good. But, yeah. I, I love this episode, too. Like, I, I'm pretty much in. I'm like you, Grant. I get it. It's it's real stupid Monster of the Week stuff. But it takes itself so seriously. And it's so... Like... The narrator's back. Kakuin gets a triumphant moment. Polareff makes a clock out of fire for no reason. <laughs> for no, for no reason. reason. It's great. It's the best. Victor, it's this is it. For you're here now. We're in oh the boy. Crusaders, man. Oh boy. You're you're in it now. <laughs> uh, so thank you for watching everyone. Where can we find everyone? You can find me on Twitter at Los Grantalonis. That's Los underscore Grantalonis. You can find me, Tim, at BigBlueZam1, where I will be posting all of these nonsense manga panels. And you can find me on Twitter at TFWaffleMan. Uh, tweet at the podcast at JoeStarAllStars. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, Fireside.fm is where we officially live. JoeStarAllStars.Fireside.fm Yeah. And send any emails you want to to joestarallstars at gmail.com. You know, leave us a review. Leave us a like. Five stars. If you Tell would, your friends. If you wouldn't mind. Like, favorite, and subscribe. Yeah. yeah. Spread yeah. Stardust Crusaders to everyone you know. Treat <laughs> others to the dulcet tones of our voices. Dulcet. Dulcet. Yeah. Dulcet. Yeah. That's the word you wanted? No, I, okay, you know what? I've never actually looked it, up it's dulcet, pronounced but dulcet. I assume it's pronounced. it just means smooth. <laughs> it's pronounced fray. <laughs> All right. No. It's All Messina. Right, <laughs> and, uh, full circle. There we go. <laughs> all right. So thank you all for watching. Uh, this is uh, this is Joe Star All Star signing out for all of you. Uh, what did I say? Pharyngeal John. Uh, I was hoping there. you wouldn't remember. <laughs> say goodbye, Joshua. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye, Joshua. No, that that can't be right. <laughs> okay, like this is the the Google s- stat block on the side here. Now that's what I call music sixty nine. Sixty nine percent of Google users like this album. <laughs> 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 well done. Nice. <laughs>